To Britain now, where a growing number of Tory MPs are voicing their disquiet over the decision by outgoing Prime Minister Boris Johnson to remain as caretaker PM until a new leader is elected. The scandal-ridden PM was forced to resign on Thursday after an historic party revolt in which nearly 60 members of his government handed in their resignations, prompting him to follow suit. For more analysis and to find out who might succeed him, I'm joined this morning by Chief Political Commentator for The Independent, John Rental. Welcome to Saturday Extra, John. Hello there. If we can briefly start with Boris Johnson's outgoing speech, no apologies, no mention of resignation. What did you make of it? Uh, well, he's clearly bitter at being uh, forced out and didn't want to conceal it. Uh, there was all that stuff in there about how he was only a few points behind in the opinion polls and uh, implying that if, if it hadn't been for sledging from his own party, as he called it, um, he would have been uh, he would have been a winner again. Um, no, he didn't want to go. He wanted to test uh, test the system to its limits, which is why he caused such destruction with all these uh, resignations, and which, which is why some people are very reluctant to see him carry on as uh, as prime minister while the leadership election is taking place. Mm. Was he left with any choice but to resign, given the mutiny of government members being, I guess, what some might look at as the final straw? Oh well, no. He could have he could have pushed it right up to the limit. Uh, he could have uh, forced uh, Conservative MPs to change the rules to allow another vote of confidence in him. Because in, in the end, the only way of getting a prime minister out uh, without a general election is for uh, his own MPs to uh, to to vote by a majority against him. I mean, just just like the Australian system, really. Mm. Um, but uh, he didn't. You know, he obviously didn't want to push it to that point because uh, Conservative MPs were going to meet on Monday to, to decide what the rules would be. Uh, and if, if they had had another vote of confidence, he would have lost it humiliatingly. So he decided to cut his losses. If we can look at his leadership style, it was often compared to that of Donald Trump. When you compare the two, they both came to power with this overwhelming majority, but both seem to be the architects of their own demise. What do you think Boris Johnson is going to be remembered for? Well, I think the Trump comparison is a bit unfair. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, it, it, but Boris Johnson has not uh, organised or incited an armed uh, insurrection in, uh, in in Westminster. No, of course. Uh, so I think he is. I think he is a slightly different kettle of fish. But I mean, there are parallels. Uh, he has pushed the the, the system, the British system, uh, to I mean, close to its limits uh, in a way that uh, that previous prime ministers have not done. Uh, and he, he tried to sum up his legacy in his in his speech. I mean, clearly, I mean, most prime ministers in the end they only get remembered for for, for one thing, and in his case, it'll be Brexit. Uh, but he tried to add to that uh, the vaccine rollout, which was a success and what and did mean that he was very popular for most of last year, um, and also standing up to uh, Putin's aggression in in Ukraine. Although he's not alone in that exactly. Mm. It's interesting because you read some of the headlines. One that struck with me in the Atlantic, I think it was, it was the worst, best prime minister, all rolled <laughs> into you know five words there. Because when you know you, you look at him, it was he was often criticised for being light on detail and work ethic, but he was extremely optimistic and he appealed to yes. so many Brits because of that. I guess, um, affable style that he had, that jocular tone that appealed to many. 
Yes, and he never let it drop. I mean, right at the end, I mean, he never. I mean, unlike his predecessor, who who uh, crumpled into tears um, in her final speech, and actually David Cameron did too. I mean, there was a real, you know, he he, he there was a catch in his voice. Boris Johnson was determined not to do that and and uh, to, to be sort of blusterily cheerful uh, to the end. And that's part of that. That was part of his appeal. He just never gave any quarter to his enemies. Um, and you know, for for half the population, um, he was a he was a hero uh, because he finally he got us out of the European Union, and that's what uh, that's what half of the people wanted. Uh, the other half of the population, of course, uh, can't stand him, and are very pleased to see the back of him. Mm. Why is there such concern, John, about him staying on as caretaker PM? Well, I think that's because the people who can't stand him really can't stand him and they don't want him around any any longer. But, I mean, the Constitutional Convention is clear, which is that, you know, the Prime Minister continues to be the Prime Minister until uh, until a, a successor is elected. It's only because Boris Johnson um, created so much havoc and destruction uh, in the few days before his he, he finally accepted defeat that people thought, you know, he might try to cling on some in some way but by by resigning by uh, announcing his resignation he has given up control of the process i mean the process is now in the hands of the conservative party in parliament and as soon as they have elected a successor that successor will become prime minister so that'll be the end of it and i think you know although people will be unhappy about him carrying on as prime minister for another couple of months uh i think the the real sting has gone out of it now that people know he's going Mm. Let's look at the timetable for election of new uh, PM now. That'll be announced on Monday. Can you can you talk us through that process, and then we'll look at uh, the front runners. We know that Rishi Sunak has formally launched his bid, but before we look at the contenders, what's the process now? There there will be a succession of ballots among uh, Conservative MPs. Um, the, the the rules are always they always tweak the rules slightly. I mean, there were ten candidates last time, uh, and so they eliminated I think three of them in the first round of voting. Um, and uh, you know, there, there would have been more candidates if they hadn't raised the requirement uh, to 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 require uh, candidates to need eight uh, fellow MPs to support them. Uh, to get on the ballot for the first uh, for the first ballot, uh, so the, uh, the those rules will be decided on Monday. How many MPs candidates need in order to put themselves forward in the first place, uh, and then the timetable for the for the election, which will take place while Parliament is sitting until uh, the twenty first of July. So um, that stage will be over. Uh, in two weeks, uh, two candidates will emerge from that process and they will go to the party members in the country. Well, as I just mentioned, the former Chancellor of the Exchequer, Rishi Sunak, has formally launched his bid. He's got between 80 to 100 Conservative MPs behind him. Tell me a little bit about him. Well, I mean, in in January this year, he very nearly became Prime Minister because uh, that was when... Uh, the outcry about lockdown parties in Downing Street uh, during the pandemic was at its height. Uh, it looked as if Boris Johnson couldn't uh, couldn't stay on. At that point, Rishi Sunak, the Chancellor, was the most popular politician in Britain. He had he you know he had a hugely grateful uh, population for the way he'd handled the, uh, the the coronavirus with the furlough scheme. 
Um, but then suddenly he hit trouble, and he he, he made a uh, a budget statement which which went down extremely badly, and his wife's uh, tax affairs uh, were revealed, and the fact that he had a green card for the U.S. until quite recently, which. Uh, which made him suddenly extremely unpopular, drew attention to how rich he is because he's the richest MP in, uh, in the House of Commons. Um, and his reputation went down like a stone, and that's, that sort of saved Boris Johnson at that point. But uh, now, that, now that Boris Johnson's in trouble again, uh, Rishi seems to have recovered. Mm. So who else would be contending with him? I noticed on a YouGov survey of 716-odd Conservative Party members, it had uh, Ben Wallace, the Defence Secretary, at the top there, and Penny Mordaunt, the former Defence Secretary, right up there as well. Yes, a lot of uh, Defence Secretaries around. <laughs> the, arm, the armed forces are popular with the Conservative grassroots. There's no, no question about that. Uh, Liz Trust, the Foreign Secretary, is another uh, leading contender. Uh, and Nadim Zahawi, who is currently, uh, rather to everybody's surprise, is currently Chancellor because he replaced uh, Rishi Sunak when uh, when Sunak uh, resigned uh, this week. Um, he he is another contender, although he seems to have rather zigzagged over the, over recent days, and I'm not sure his stock is as high as it might have been. Okay, let's um, turn our attention to the the reaction both within the UK and, and externally. We know Boris became leader in 2019 after Theresa May resigned. What has she had to say about her successor's uh, resignation? I know John Major's also weighed in and indeed other world leaders. Yeah, John Major's weighed in with uh, mm-hmm. saying that it, that uh, there really ought to be somebody else as a caretaker prime minister for the next two months. I'm afraid I don't think that's going to happen. Mm. Uh, Theresa May uh, hasn't said anything, but she was uh, she was pictured at a uh, at a pop concert last night, uh, looking as if she was having the absolute time of her life. Mm. Uh, I think she's uh, she will be uh, secretly utterly delighted to see her successor fail because he was very disloyal to her. Um, and to you know, to be honest, I think her her way, her attempt to do Brexit would have been uh, more unifying for the country. But unfortunately, the Labour Party wouldn't support it. Mm. Um, so, in a way, she's been vindicated because uh, Boris Johnson's form of Brexit is, uh, is is still not settled, and it's not people are not satisfied with it. And other world leaders, what have they had to say? Uh, well, Joe Biden put out a statement um, which didn't even mention Boris Johnson by name, so that uh, that, that indicates uh, how good their relationship is. But uh, uh, President Zelensky of Ukraine, of course, is uh, is mortified because Boris Johnson has been one of his most vocal mm, huge uh, supporters supporter. on the world stage. Mm, mm. In terms of um, government, domestic and foreign policy, um, John, relations with the EU as well. Will there be any major changes that you expect to see post Boris Johnson? No, I mean that's the striking thing is that actually um, there aren't going to be any changes in in, in policies. It's it's going to be about personnel because the thing that got Boris Johnson in the end was the fact that uh, people uh, just don't think that he's a a politician of integrity. I mean, the, the 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 straw that broke the camel's back was was the business of his deputy chief whip, who uh, who resigned over uh, sexual harassment um, allegations. The Chris Pincher uh, um, issue. Chris Chris mm. Pincher, that's mm. right. And and Boris Johnson could have just apologised and said, you know, he tried to give this guy a, a second chance. He misjudged it. Uh, you know, he hadn't reformed. He shouldn't have 
appointed him. But instead, Boris Johnson pretended he knew nothing about this guy's uh, past record and then, of course, was contradicted in public by a very senior civil servant. And that was the thing which finally tipped... Uh, tipped sentiment against him. Mm. Do you think uh, this will um, the political land, landscape will shift at all now in the UK? Oh, well, uh, clearly, because, mm. uh, I mean, you know, I, th- I think one of the reasons why Conservative MPs have got rid of Boris Johnson is that they thought he was going to lead them to defeat at the next election. Uh, and one of the factors in choosing his successor will be who's best able to beat the Labour Party. Uh, and that, again, I think, you know, there's been, there's been, there's been one poll at least which uh, has been favourable to Rishi Sunak, suggesting that he would, uh, he would do best up against Keir Starmer, the Labour leader. Um, and so it means that Keir Starmer, who's set himself up for a, a political battle against uh, a, a prime minister whose integrity is very much in question, and Keir Starmer is a very sort of upright, principled uh, former prosecutor, um, now finds himself probably up against a much more moderate um, and, and, and straight-faced um, uh, prime minister. So, uh, in a sense, that party competition's got to start all over again. John, it's been fascinating uh, talking to you. Looking forward um, with great interest to how this all pans out next week. But for now, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you. John Rintel is the chief political commentator for The Independent.